0: O oh, come Emmanuel we are in place our ears are open our hearts are fertile soil our spirits are willing to welcome you into our lives for you to be sovereign lord of all that we are of all that we have and of all that we ever hope to be speak to us through your word this morning in Jesus name Amen.
1: me in the responsive advent reading advent is a time for god's people to reawaken their longings let the peace of christ rule in our hearts where there is division we long for unity let the peace of christ rule in our hearts where there is hostility we long for resolution let the peace of christ rule in our hearts Where there is separation, we long for reunion. Let Let the the peace peace of Christ rule in our hearts. This morning we light two candles. The first candle represents the everlasting hope that has touched our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. In a world of division, brokenness, and uncertainty, the second candle summons our hearts to the one called the Prince of Peace. As the light shines, may we embrace and extend the peace of Christ in all that we say and do.
2: Please join me for our call to worship. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever with my mouth. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens.
3: Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you.
2: Happy are those who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. They exalt in your name all day long and extol your righteousness.
1: the call to confession now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen indeed by faith our ancestors received approval
2: by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible
1: by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned.
2: By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days.
1: By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace.
2: Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone.
1: Likewise was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So let us pray together our unison prayer of confession as you find it in the bulletin together. O God of Shalom, we have have built up walls to protect ourselves from our enemies, but those walls also shut us off from receiving your love. Break down those walls. Help us to see that the way to your heart is through the reconciliation of our own hearts with our enemies. Bless them and us that we may come to grow in love for each other and for you through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And so we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross disregarding its shame and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Hear the good news. Let all the earth rejoice. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'd like to introduce to you Tom McGill from our Stewardship Committee.
4: These are not complimentary bookmarks that were in your bulletins this morning. No. Today is is Pledge Sunday for 2016, and later on in the service, you're all invited to fill out these pledge cards and put them in the offering plate or mail them to the church office, whatever your preference is. Many have already mailed in their envelopes for the year, and we're grateful for your early response. By making your giving intentions known, you enable the session to plan the 2016 budget with discernment and more precision. But please also note that in addition to financial pledge, there's a space on the cards for giving your time and talent to the church. We need that too. On the back of the pledge card um, there are various choices uh, for how you want to pay your financial pledge. However you choose to give, please know that it is the generous giving of our members and friends that Laguna Presbyterian Church is able to faithfully support God's mission in the community and throughout the world. If you look at the logo on the pledge card of the crew team, you'll see that we are indeed a team pulling together on that long journey in the same direction. And your spiritual and financial gifts will allow this good and sturdy ship to cross the finish line trusting together. In 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. So when you're filling out those pledge cards, smile.
3: I'm sorry, yes,
0: reminds us of the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi rejoice and again I will say rejoice the Lord is near have no anxiety about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ in the world in which we live How much do we need to know the presence and the power of the rule of God in the midst of the messy circumstances of modern history? So let us pray together. Lord, we turn to you this morning. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. You're sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. You created all that is, and you've placed us in this time and this place to be your people to let the light of the kingdom shine forth. So bless your word this morning. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. The Bible is a story, a long story that stretches across many centuries. It is God's story, and we need to learn to read it from that perspective and ask ourselves what these ancient stories and texts, gospels and epistles and historical materials and psalms and wisdom literature, what are they saying about who God is and what God is doing in our time and in the history of the world? Is, Is history going anyplace? It is God's story, and we read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation in the church. Where else do we do that within our society? In saying that the Bible is God's story, it's also Israel's story and it's the church's story. And we believe these scriptures, human as they, they were created, were inspired by the Spirit of God and are profitable for instruction and teaching. Sometimes when we open the Scriptures, we are literally surprised by the stories they contain, by the truths that they communicate. And we ask, what is all of this about? And it may well be that the story that I tell you this morning is such a story. It's a spy story. It's the story of the name of a woman named Rahab, whose reputation was that of being a harlot in the Old Testament story, and yet her name is in the genealogy of the Messiah. And we ask ourselves, why was it that Matthew chose these four names of women's names, to be in the genealogy of the Messiah. There were much more virtuous people, women, who could have been chosen to be a part of this. And yet, Matthew has a purpose and a plan in telling the story in the way that he did. A spy story. Israel we read in Exodus and Deuteronomy came out of Egypt. The armies of Egypt were destroyed and the people were rescued and delivered to begin their long journey toward the promised land. And so they began that journey with all kinds of murmurings and anxieties and fears. Frankly, with very little joy in their hearts. Because they were moving through a dangerous world. And they were carrying a promise of a land, of a place, of a people. And that promise came into conflict with the promises of other people who were already present. And so the story of Joshua begins in chapter 1. After the death of Moses and after Israel's wanderings for 40 years in the desert providentially being prepared to trust the goodness and the power of God to provide. The story begins with Joshua, who was Moses' assistant, who is no longer a young man now, but has been called and commissioned to be the leader of a holy war. Of the conquest of the land of Canaan, promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joshua's life, I think, was filled with anxiety and fear. The first chapter of Joshua represents God's assurance to him be strong, be of good courage. Do not be afraid. I am with you. And I have promised a journey with you. But take courage. And in depending upon me, the Lord said, you will succeed in your mission. And it was an awe inspiring mission. Joshua had been a part of that delegation of 12 that entered the promised land 40 years before. He had seen that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. He knew the majority report of the spies was that there's no way we can take the land. He was a part of the minority report of the two who said, with God's help, we can do anything. If God be with us, who can be against us? And yet the majority prevailed. And Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And Joshua now faced this new challenge of how to lead the people, and he heard this message from God. How important is that message for the church? I could not live one day without that assurance. Actually, a text from Joshua 1 was one of the first passages I memorized as a young Christian. Be strong. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Trust me. In every generation, and every year, and every month, and every day of our lives in the church, we hear that message and we need it. Trust me. I am with you. So Joshua sent two of his men to cross the Jordan River to go into the Canaanite fortified city of Jericho one of the oldest cities in the world 10,000 years old now some say it's where agriculture was first practiced by men to go into that place and to spy out the land and to go to the one place where you might hear the gossip of the land and find out what was exactly going on I don't know about you but when I read that story my imagination gets stirred they went to the one place where they knew all the men would be hanging out to Rahab's bar, and they listened to the conversation, and finally they had conversation with the owner of this R and R. It reminds me of some of those scenes from that old movie that some of us says the most popular movie ever made, Casablanca, with Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman in Rick's American Bar in Cairo. The love romantic relationship between the two central characters. And Humphrey verbalizing out of all the gin mills in every town and around the world, why did she have to walk into my place? He'd fallen in love. And they sang that haunting song as time goes by. He said to the piano player, Play it again, Sam. Here's to you, kid. We will always have Paris. That movie plays on TV from time to time. I love watching it because it's a great love story, a spy story, in the intrigue of World War II. Or the Star Wars movie, those bar rooms where all these unsavory characters in the Star Wars series would gather to gossip. Somehow I think that's the kind of place that Rahab's B and B really was. These two spies identified themselves to Rahab as Israelis, and they had come to listen to what was happening in Canaan. And finally, the king of Jericho sent his representatives to Rahab's house with a warning and with a question. It has been reported that two men have entered our city to spy out the land, and we have heard they are in your place. What do you have to say? If you hear anything, you please let us know. Rahab finds herself having to make a decision about being a double agent, if you will. She makes her choice. She lies to the king. and hides the spies on the roof of her house. She sends the representatives of the king on a wild goose chase saying, I don't know who they were. They were just here. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they're going. But if they're from the Israelis, they're on the other side of the Jordan. Chase them. You may catch them before they get back to the river. And then she went up to the roof where she had hidden the spies and there she reinforced her welcoming of them and she began to tell them exactly what was going on she articulated her faith it was the faith and the theology of the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament and what she says our people in Canaan we know what your God did for you when he delivered your people out of Egyptian slavery. We know how he drowned Pharaoh's armies in the Red Sea and Israel celebrated. We know what you did to the kings of the Amorites, to Zion and to Og, you destroyed them because they would not show hospitality. And I want you to know that every resident of Canaan, their hearts are melting with fear. They're filled with anxiety. And I believe and many of us believe that God is with you and he's going to deliver this land into your hands. And I only ask one thing, that you will spare me and my family when you come. And they negotiated an agreement. that if she would stay true to her word and not squeal to the authorities, that when the armies came, they would spare Rahab's life along with her families. And so Israel crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground, And for seven days they marched around the city walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day they marched around the walls seven times. The trumpets began to blow and the people shouted and the walls came tumbling down. A song that our kids love to sing, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. Great story. What is there? about that story. I'd like to focus on Rahab. What can we say about her that might give us some reason to understand why she's in the Messiah's genealogy? Well, she welcomed the spies. She showed hospitality to them. She showed hospitality to Israel in doing that. She aligned herself with the purpose and plan of God. I know this is difficult to talk about because what was being launched here was an invasion, a holy war into the promised land. And there were people there. There were fortified cities. And if Israel was to have a place in the land, those folks would need to be removed. And I don't know how to talk about that. Except I know that in the ministry of Jesus, that this whole notion of the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven into human history is reinterpreted in such a way that it is a movement of the God of love and peace to establish the reality of the kingdom of God's peace in every human heart and that Jesus comes not as a zealot warrior to destroy his enemies, but to pray for them and to act on their behalf and to seek to redeem all who will believe and trust. And in that way, we read these scriptures of Old and New Testaments in dialogue with each other and understand them. Nevertheless, Rahab welcomed And she confessed her faith. And she saved her own family. And she is one of the great heroes celebrated in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. Rahab the prostitute who welcomed the spies and who entered into the reality of what God was doing who understood her own vulnerability, who tied the crimson thread on her inner window, who let down the spies through her window and gathered her family to wait for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. She stood up. There is much talk in our time about espionage, surveillance, spying. It's the subject of almost every day's newspaper, of how we, what we need to do in response to the presence of enemies amongst us that we cannot easily identify. Will we be able to listen to everyone all of the time or watch everyone all of the time? What will be the impact of government surveillance upon private persons' freedom? There are many issues and questions that are before the church and before our nation at this time, especially in response to what has happened this last week in San Bernardino. But it's all across the nation. It's in the Western world. We know we have enemies, but we do not know who they are. And what does it mean to be the people of God in the presence of such threatening circumstances? Joshua and Rahab lived in that kind of a world. And it's in that world that she confessed that she knew who God was, and what God was doing, and she aligned herself in confidence that God would somehow provide for her life and the life of her family. And her life and her story is but a parable. As are all of these events in our times, we seek to understand them. In reading the Joshua 2 story, over the last couple of weeks, one of the windows that has helped me to understand our concern is, is this new movie, Bridge of Spies, Steven Spielberg's movie. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to do so. It's about a very dangerous time in the history of America and the Western world, the Cold War years, in which there was so much anxiety and fear about preventing a third world war. And there were spies at work representing the Soviet Union and spies at work representing the United States. It was in the late 50s that Francis Gary Powers flew that U-2 plane over Russia photographing from 70,000 feet high Russia's industrial zone. And the Russians were able to shoot it down. The plane came apart and Gary Powers was arrested and put on public trial. Not too long before that, the Russian spy, Rudolf Abel, was discovered and put on trial, represented by a lawyer named James Donovan, who in his defense defended not just Abel and himself, but the principles of the United States of America, that we have a vision of justice and a legal system that must be made to work on behalf of all people. Abel was convicted, sent to prison, and later, with the capture of powers, Donovan was asked to negotiate a prisoner exchange and that's what the movie's about. It's a true story. And some of the most awe-inspiring scenes of that movie have to do with James Donovan crossing over from the west to the east from light into darkness, from slavery into freedom, risking his own life negotiating with authorities on the other side and standing strong as he had done in the legal case for Abel, standing strong against the Russians and the East Germans and demanding that not only that powers be released but that Abel be in a prisoner exchange the other and the tensions were high spielberg says his own father was in moscow in 1960 when this was going on and they had stood in the line for 2 hours to see the wreckage of the u2 and powers uniform that he wore his spacesuit And after two hours a military man came to them and took his delegation of engineers from Phoenix took them to the front of the line, collected their passports and began to yell in front of them do you see what your government is doing to us? And Steven Spielberg asked his dad how did that make you feel? He says, all I was doing was watching the hand with the passports. And they got out. But in many ways the movie is about the integrity and the character of James Donovan who even on the bridge between east and west stood strong for his principles and what he had negotiated and brought back the two prisoners to the United States in this exchange. Now if you read the Joshua story from that context, it gives you a clue, I think to the character of Rahab. Like Donovan, she stood up for what she believed, what she knew. She trusted who God was, whom she had come. I don't know where she got this information, but it was a part of the conversation. God has given you the land already. And she stood up like Mary and Joseph stood up in a dangerous time where in a few short weeks... They were vulnerable to the rulers of this world, to King Herod who wanted to destroy them. They stood up and Jesus stood up as he commissioned his disciples to go into a dangerous world with warnings that indeed there might be martyrs. The question is before the churches, what kind of people will we be in this dangerous world? What is the nature of our mission? What does it mean for us to stand up against evil in our world? We struggle with this. The leaders of the Western world struggle with it. And I know there are many different opinions about how we stand up. All I can share with you is that I cannot stand up with Jerry Falwell Jr. and what he said yesterday at the convocation at Liberty University that every student on the campus, 12,000 or so students, they need to arm themselves and be ready. If someone, if a terrorist walks in, be ready to shoot them down. Is that the mission of the church? As we seek to understand the mission of Christ, I think we know it is a mission in which we're called to pray for our enemies, to work for reconciliation. We are not pacifists. We know there's evil in the world, and it has to be confronted. And we have armies, and we're grateful for that. But the church must struggle, especially in this time when there is so much tension between the religions of the world, we ask ourselves, what kind of people are we called to be? Donovan stood up for reconciliation and healing, as did Rahab. And I believe aside from her being a woman and a Gentile, Canaanite, and a known sinner, That this is why her name is in the genealogy is that she is a hero of faith whose faith was translated into action, into works on behalf of the kingdom of God. Our affirmation of faith this morning is from a confession from 1934 in our book of confessions. I ask you to take it out. It's printed in the bulletin. This is the Barman Declaration was written at a time of great danger in Europe when Hitler was coming to power and had declared himself to be the ruler not only of the state but of the church. And the confessing church stood up and made this confession affirmed the lordship of Christ and called the church to a radical commitment and obedience to standing up against the regime that was destroying Europe. I ask you to stand with me and with Kathy and I. We will read the two leader parts and we will all have our part together. Together, we affirm that Jesus Christ... As, as he, is he has attested, attested for us in Holy, Holy Scripture, Scripture, is the one, one word of God which, which we have to hear and which, which we have, have to trust and obey in life, life and in death. death. We reject the false doctrine as though the church could and would have to acknowledge as a source of its proclamation, apart from and besides this one word of God, still other events and powers, figures and truths as God's revelation.
1: We reject the false doctrine as though there were areas of our life in which we would not belong to Jesus Christ, but to other lords, areas in which we would not need justification and sanctification through him.
0: As As Jesus Christ Christ is God's God's assurance of the forgiveness forgiveness of of all our sins, so in the the same way way, and and with the the same seriousness. seriousness, Is he also God's mighty claim upon our whole life? Through him befalls us a joyful deliverance from the godless fetters of this world for a free, grateful service to his creatures. Thanks be to God. Let us be seated as we receive our morning offering and uh, pledges.
3: Love incarnate, love divine. Star and angels gave the sign. Bow to babe on bended knee, the Saviour of humanity. a child is born He shall reign forever
2: Let us pray. Gracious God, you are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, we have mourned this week at the loss of life in San Bernardino. We think of those in the prime of their life who had their lives cut short. We think of those and are thankful for those who risk their lives to rescue others. We think of parents and spouses and children, coworkers and friends, for those who are grieving and angry. We pray that you would be their refuge and their strength, an ever-present help in their trouble. We pray for our own communities, our schools and workplaces. Help us to leave here today with a sense of purpose to be a light and witness of your love to our neighbors, reflecting your grace and mercy. Bless now this offering and free us up as your people that the offerings that we bring may enable us to continue to grow your mission and ministry throughout our communities for the sake of Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen
3: We conclude our service with It came upon a midnight clear I love the line Peace on the earth and goodwill to all
0: and in death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. We go forth this morning with the courage of the Spirit in our hearts. We go forth with a vision of who you are as sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, We go forth to do your mission to plant the seeds of your justice, righteousness, and eternal peace in the hearts of all people. Keep us faithful in what it is we say we believe. We ask in your name. Amen.